Yes, you've arrived at the Legend Podcast at DaxMyHand.com. How did I become a legendary sports figure? How does anyone become legendary? It starts with a coach. Join us as we have conversations with coaches of all ages, experience, and expertise, and find out what does it take to lead athletes to legendary status. We've done it again, Shane. We've got another regional champion coach here. Billy Thorpe, uh, administrator at Marshall County High School, former baseball coach at Marshall County High School, former regional champion high school baseball coach from Livingston County. Good to have you, Billy. Hey, thanks, Dak. I, Dax, I'm excited to be here. Um, look forward to this. I've been listening to the podcast, and, and uh, I'm honored to be included. Oh, we're honored to have you, let me tell you. So let's just get right to the, the nuts and bolts of it. When did you first meet the legend? It was kind of crazy. I was I was uh, in college, uh, working my way through on Bohannon Vending, and we had a route down at uh, Air Products, and they kept talking about this this guy's kid down there, and and he kind of had a funny name, Mayhan, Mayhan. I I never knew how to pronounce it. So anyway, I thought, well, we'll just see, go see how how good he is. It was in the it was in February, I believe, maybe January. I know it was cold. And I went, and it was either Graves or, or Tillman. I can't remember. I think he had about 20 points and looked pretty good. Now, uh, defense was optional back then. I'm not, I'm not sure about that, but you sure could fill it up. Let me interrupt you real quick, Billy. Shane, why do all these interviews always come back to my defense or lack thereof? Uh, you know, I, I just don't get it. But anyway, go on, Billy. Go on. Anyway, and, and, uh, I thought, hey, this kid could shoot. And obviously we know the run you guys had and, and, uh, finished up state tournament. What, 33, I believe, or? Um, let's see. We, uh, we, I think we ended up 29 and 6 in the final four. Yeah. The final four. At, and that, that was an awful good run. Then I heard, hey, he's a pretty good baseball player. And it turned out you're a better baseball player than basketball player. You were, you were pretty good. Come watch you a lot that spring. At Marshall County High School and, and was pressed there. And of course, you had a nice career at Murray State. You know, and, and Billy, that is, you know, I mean, it is the Legend Podcast, so I feel like I can talk about myself here. Um, you know, a lot of people at Marshall County wouldn't have known that I was a better baseball player than basketball player because, you know, we just don't get the crowds that the basketball team gets. No, that, and we have to have to do that. And I'll tell you something, Dennis Faust and I had always talked about too, and, and uh, I'm still going to stand beside it, and I believe he would too. I still think Barry Goheen was a better baseball player than basketball player. You know, I actually uh, listened to Barry Goheen's uh, podcast uh, with Jeff Waters, WCBL, mm-hmm. and Barry's dad. And you know, they that comes up a lot with them. The mm-hmm. base they they work the baseball in, and and I get the the feeling myself. I've heard I never saw Barry play, right. but everybody I've talked to tells me that uh, Wade Gillespie. Has mentioned that to me. They played mm-hmm, together, mm-hmm. and I, I've heard that. So I, I never did you. I guess you did get seen play. I saw him play a lot, and, and I knew that. I mean, he could, you know he played first base. He could pitch. He could play the outfield. Uh, he could hit for power. He could hit for average. He could lay a bunt down. He knew how to play defense. He knew the game. I mean, he was he was really good. And, and uh, Dennis, I always said that uh, he had a great career. Uh, obviously at Vanderbilt basketball wise, but if you'd have chose to play baseball, he may have been getting paid for it. I've heard that, and he threw right handed. But shot a base, uh, basketball left-handed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He he was pretty ambidextrous on that. I think that was probably one of his gifts that he had, and what made him such a special athlete in general. Yeah, that's that's cool. 
Well, Billy, um, so I, I guess since this is the Billy Thorpe interview, we need to talk about Billy a little bit. Would you agree with me on that, Shane? Kind of give, give us a little history on Billy Thorpe and, and just from a sports realm. Well, it's really not much. He's pretty lackluster, to be honest with you. I, I enjoyed coaching, enjoyed playing, just wasn't very good at it, unfortunately. The uh, kind of a funny, funny story. I, you know, we talk a lot now about kids playing too many games and all that. I don't believe if I, of course, we didn't, you didn't have that when I was growing up. We played 12 games and then you had the All Stars and you played and then you were finished. I don't believe when I was younger that I, I could have had too many games. I would have, would have been one of the ones that liked to play. But that, you know, that's, that's kind of part of it. But I always loved sports. And when I decided to go, um, back to college, I decided, you know, I'd, I'd like to teach. I really enjoy that. And maybe there'll be some coaching inside with me. And baseball was always my love. So that's, that's a super condensed version, but that's, yeah. that's what it was. And, and, uh, coach Shelton was a, was a good coach and, and, and all that. And we talked about it, but grades were never good and, uh, attendance was never very good. So, uh, that, that's nothing to be proud of, but I, I do think that also, has helped me, maybe even in my profession now, knowing that every student and every, every kid in, in school, not just so excited to be there. Yeah. So, now, did you grow up around Benton? I did. My whole life, born and raised. Okay. Um, started first grade at Benton Elementary and graduated to high school. Now, Dennis Faust tells me a story uh, about his early umpiring career and that uh, maybe you and he uh, met out here maybe at the Calvert Fields one night and uh, Dennis made a call you didn't like. Could you, could you, do you remember this story? I do. I was 14. I was catching. It was a close game. He was tired and hot. We were up a couple runs, running around second and third, hit the outfield, time run scored, ball thrown in. He was out 20 feet and he called him safe. Said, you know, I mean, that was terrible. You know, he said, give me the ball. So I, I said, I'm not giving it to you. And I threw it to the outfield fence. That, that's told what, him to get it. That's what he Dennis wanted told it. me. Yeah. He said, uh, I spoke to Dennis last night and I said, uh, I knew y'all are really good friends. And I said, Hey man, I said, you got any good Billy Thorpe stories for me? And that's the story you came that, up that's with. That's the best. We wasn't very good friends then. <laughs> that's exactly what he said. He said, and amazingly through the years, I guess y'all also coached against each other later. We did. I, yeah. When we, I would just graduated high school, luckily, I guess I might say too. And I thought, well, you know, never coached. I was too old to play anymore. They only had, you know, you only could play through 16. So I thought, oh, I'll coach. Well, Dennis was coaching at Calvert and I coached at Benton. Kind of had a rivalry there, but we, we realized that we both liked baseball and we both had a passion for that. So that, you know, later in life, even as I was 17, 18 and he was, I guess, 20, 21, and in school at Kentucky, that uh, we 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 kind of formed a relationship there, and that's grown over the years. From and it started there through baseball. Yeah, that's what he said. He said y'all y'all became really good friends, and he said you know that moment at the ballpark, he would have never dreamed how good a friend y'all would become. But. I know it's it's really crazy because at at that that night we wasn't very good friends, and and at least I didn't throw it at him. <laughs> I think he said uh, he said you threw it to the fence and said you had a pretty good arm. Hell, I only when I was mad. <laughs> you know, what propelled you? I know the first time I remember you uh, was you were assistant at Reedland uh, with, with Chris Hicks, who we just interviewed uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, as my brother was a player on the team, and that's the first time I ever met Billy Thorpe. So kind of tell us what got you to that point and got you going down that path. As, as I said, once I, 
you know, I love baseball, still do. That's my it's my favorite sport in the whole world, bar none. NASCAR second. I have to say that too. So I couldn't couldn't play anymore, obviously. So and I love it. So I decided to coach. It's got ironically there. My first year I coached, we were undefeated. Really? Which, uh-huh. which team was this? That was that was my uh, thirteen fourteen year old pony league team. Because okay. you know Dennis told me you had a winning record against him. Uh-huh. We had 13, 14, we were undefeated, and then we put the all-star team together. We actually went down to uh, uh, Paducah Storm Field and won the state tournament. Wow. And then we wound up getting beat in the uh, the next round of section, which was held there also. But we played a lot of good players. Um, uh, Terry Shumpert was on it, and Junior Shumpert was on it. They beat us, I think it was like 5-2 to two or 6-2. to two. So I mean, we had we had a competitive group with that too. But anyway, I, I just loved it. I fell in love with it. But I, I I wasn't very much college material at that time, so I hadn't I didn't go to college. And if I did, I didn't do very good. I was kind of in and out. And then I decided, you know, hey, let's 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 go and get to college. I'm you know going to shake out. I'm not going to get a very good job if I don't. That's kind of the start of all that. Where you know jobs at Calvert was hard to get. Then if you did, you had to have a college degree. And so I I went ahead and went to college. Um, and then the, through that, I was going to coach and, and all that and finished college and was fortunate enough to, to student teach at Reedland and, uh, helped Chris, which we won the regional tournament that year. That's right. It was, now was that 90? 90. Yeah. So it was 91, 92. Yeah. Okay. You, you are correct. Yeah. You are correct. That's why he's a legend. That's why he's a legend. That's right. And, and, uh, I, and I will say this at Chris Hicks, is the best baseball coach that I know, even to this day. He he is, um, the passion and the knowledge, and what he can get out of kids is unbelievable. And and I hopefully I took some of that from him. Well, so since we just spoke to Chris, so now we've got a fresh perspective on him. What was the moment you realized how good he was? Two things. One one his passion. The passion he had for coaching and the passion he had for those kids and the passion he had for that game. And he never accepted mediocrity. If, if it wasn't what, why he wanted it, we're going to do it again. Is he wanted you to do it right. Wanted you to do it right. And he, and you would, you would do it over and over and over until it was right. Mm-hmm. If you had to stay out there at eight o'clock at night. That's what we did. Yeah. That's, that's good. And, uh, before the year was out, I, I was able to get a job at Livingston Central High School. Uh, at that time, I did not know I would be coaching baseball that year. Uh, they they still had a coach, but the coach wound up resigning after school started. Uh, Larry McGregor was over there as the assistant. I was going to help them. I, we were we were all three coaching basketball. They asked Larry if he wanted to coach, be the head coach baseball, and he turned it down. And I guess by default. I got the job. My senior year, we went to the old high school field, mm-hmm. and I, I just remember that there was a mm-hmm. yeah in Berna, that's correct. And there was a they had a pond out in at dead center field. The fences converged into a pond, like I guess there was a cow pasture on the outside of it. And so, uh, if you hit it too far, you put it in the drink. Yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> and that's that was everybody's goal. That's right. That's right. So yeah, so go on and, and talk about that. How how things went. The majority, of course, a small school. The majority of them played basketball. They had a good basketball team at the time, and I knew their talent was pretty good. We uh, didn't do a whole lot early on because, like I said, I was I was my first year teacher. I didn't know how to do that either. You know, I was learning how. I was going through the teacher program. The majority of them was playing 
basketball, and then you know the ones that wasn't. No, once once we got to probably February into January, we started. We the ones that wasn't, we we were picking up. Even though we were still playing basketball, and I was assistant coach, we would after that or before that, some we were at least throwing some and, and hitting in a cage that they had. And I thought, man, you know, we got three, four left-handed pitchers here, and you know, they're not too bad. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I and I heard that, I, you know, I, and I'd known that they wasn't too bad because like I said we had we had played them when at Reeland and they were pretty good and and it was a good competitive game and I know the, a lot of the kids were coming back. It was kind of a a learning experience for both of us. I mean, our our first year, a lot of growing pains. They were learning to take me. I was different than the coach they had. Not that that was good or bad, but I was different and and it was strenuous at times. But we got through it. We had a pretty good year. Won probably 22, 23 ball games. Got beat. I think Christian County beat us. Is either Christian County, no, it's Henderson County at Christian County in the regional tournament. Beat us the second round. So I mean, you know, we thought, you know, we had a pretty good, pretty good run at it. Had a lot of kids play for Doc. Yeah, host thirty one off that team. And I was that's what I was going to have you. Can you mention a few of those guys? Uh, yep, Stringer. Yeah, was yeah, ben, uh, it Benji Stringer yeah. and Todd Griffith? Yeah, played played a huge role in that. Michael Johnson played over there. They got lots of experience there. I believe that year they went to. We also had a a, a young kid named Josh Stewart. That didn't hurt anything. No, and and he he was uh, a freshman the first year. And I probably didn't pitch him enough. He was he was pretty good then. I, he, he pitched some and played a lot, but I probably didn't pitch him enough that year. But we had we had a lot of good pitching. We came back and they knew how I they knew they knew me better. They felt better. I mean, we had we butted heads and we had some very strong personalities on that team. Very strong. And your brother knows to, many of to them. To say the least, I know many of yeah. them. Yeah. All right. So Billy, so your first year, you you got used to the guys. You rolled into your second year. What are the things you learned or, or the nuggets that you took from your first experience as a head coach that you applied your second year that you think really made a difference or you, you feel like was kind of the aha moment as a coach? Did you have any of those? There was probably probably a couple. I, I know the one that really stands out is I still had – I, I brought Chris Hicks' philosophy. By golly, we're going to do it right. And we're going to do it over until we do it right. And I'm not going to stand for imperfections to the best of our ability. You, you might, you might miss a ground ball. You might make a bad throw, but you're going to be in the right spot and you'll have the right, you're going to have the right technique. You know, Chris mentioned, uh, I actually listened to Chris's podcast today. He called that kind of the difference in mental mistakes versus physical mistakes. Right. right. Men- mental, you can't deal with physical. That happens. Guys that making $10 million a year drops fly balls sometimes. You know, and, and they swing, uh, strike out, bases loaded at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. They learned, I believe, that I was not a tyrant, but I wanted the best for them. And I learned that they were not machines, that they were humans. And we kind of, they stepped up a little. I stepped back a little bit. And it just, it was just crazy. It just clicked. And it was just unbelievable how good they were at times. I think, I think we wound up 32 and seven. Henderson beat us once. You know, we we just rolled. We had good pitching and defense and speed. And And, and isn't it amazing when you – in baseball, I've I've found when a team finds – when the players find their roles and people know what's expected of them, what Mm -hmm. the coach expects of them, isn't it amazing 
how how it just is like a well-oiled machine and 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 it just needs a little maintenance at times you, you know you talked about having the practice where you make sure they get it right you probably had less of that year two than you had year one agree much less and we could work on the finer parts of it we had good leaders in the dugout and that didn't come from the coaching and you don't always have that mm. you, you know you just don't that just doesn't happen sometimes one of the strong personalities was todd griffith but he kept everybody in line he was the enforcer if he had to be. I, I one the story I, I tell him it was it was after prom the day after prom we went and played Henderson a doubleheader. Uh, now did you schedule that? Yes, wasn't that that's some great <laughs> scheduling, wasn't it? They were all real happy, but you know what? They wanted to go play Henderson because it was it was a good matchup. We're going to show them that we belong. You know, we we had a school of three hundred and seventy five, and they had a school of seventeen hundred. You know, and. In a traditional powerhouse in the yes. second region. Yes. Yeah. And and we went up there after prom. They beat us the first game. You know, the guy, they were they were in bad shape. They didn't get any sleep. And then the next game, Stewart beat them. I believe Todd was, was DH in that game. And he may have pitched Thursday or something. So we, we just gave him a day off, just let him hit. And we had two outs in the bottom of the seventh. We were up a couple runs. I think it was up. Three to one, four to two, something like that. He said, "Now listen, when we win this game, we're all going to step out on the field like we're supposed to win." What what eighteen year old says that? Coaches, we were going to do that, but he told all those younger kids we had, and they were they were antsy, they were excited, and we just all stepped out, shook their hands, shook each other's hands, and and that's what we're supposed to do. And and you know, probably year one, it would have been a madhouse, wouldn't it? It, it would have. It would have been because it, it would have been a little different. You know, it was. Um, Something that that we had worked on and worked on and worked on, and and we didn't we didn't beat them the first year when we played them, and and it was they realized that hey we're pretty good. I, I will say this: there wasn't an all A then. I do believe we would have been all A champions. So talk about talk about winning the region. Talk about uh, how that went down and who you beat, and then going on in the state tournament. Your experience in the state tournament. First game, uh, we came out a winner, and Henderson and Webster was in the same. Um, District and Henderson beat Webster. Webster was a top four team in the in the region, so we drew them right off the bat. Um, they were home team, yeah, you know those funny regional ways. You know I don't know why a winner can't be a home team, but but the way it drew, they were they were the home team. In um, about we had Stringer pitching, throws the ball about probably eighty six, eighty eight miles an hour. We were in the I don't know probably fifth inning. And he threw an inside pitch, tail in, hit the batter's knob on his hand, and rolled right back to Benji. And Benji, um, I don't know, I can't remember if he tagged him out or what, but the umpire said, time, ball hit him, first base. And I said, and I went out there, and I said, now wait, wait, wait. And I said, the kid throws hard. I said, he would have flinched if that hit him in the hand. I'd have hit him, you know, and he wouldn't check, and he said, then he said, I don't know. Maybe his hand's made of kryptonite. Oh. Oh. So how did you stay in the game, Billy? Well, we're getting to that. <laughs> so we had, we had words, and he told me, he said, get back to the dugout, and we'll throw you out. So I, I did, because I didn't want to be thrown out. I had, and Benji Stringer's father, the dugouts were right next to the fence. I was right at the fence, and he hollered, you're an idiot, and he threw me out. I was thrown out of the first round of the regional tournament. Right. And great. didn't say it and did not say a word. 
and I, I did. I, I really lost my mind then. Mm-hmm. And, and he finally said, you're going to leave or I'm going to take your team right out of this. And it was a tight ball game. And like I said, they were good. It, we were, mm-hmm. it was one to one, two to two. So anyway, I had to leave. I left and went and sat on the bus and watched the game. Josh Stewart hit a home run to win the ball game in the top of the eighth. So what you're saying, Billy, what I'm getting from this is the greatest victory of your career up to that point, you were on the bus. I, but I was watching. <laughs> I was watching. And then now it, it gets even better. Yeah. Next game we play Christian County, which is a top 10 or 15 in the yeah. state. They've won state before. Yes. Yeah. We played them the second round. Now, did you have to sit out the next I had game? to sit out. I yeah. could not even be at the park. I was. I drove the old beater car that I had up there and parked out in the there. And I, and I had, it was funny. I drew out a cheat sheet and how the game was going to be played. I gave that to the assistant coach. Their coach had the umpires looking for me all over the place. He, he, he had them looking up in the, up behind the, the dugout, up behind in the trees. It was really funny. But I was there, but I wasn't coaching per se. I, but I was hanging on every pitch. And, and I think we wound up winning two to nothing. And Stewart, Stewart was dominating. Yeah. He was, he was really good. So I got to come back the third game. I thought, boy, I'm going to get to come back and we're going to mess this up. You realize if you had lost that game, that probably was the end of your coaching career. I, I would have been done. I would have been done. I will say this. All year, I always try to do this. I, even my last year coaching at Marshall County, I would try to have pitchers that I thought best matched up with them, and I would not let that team see them in the regular season in, in case we see them in the in regional tournament. We were warming up, and Griffith was a leadoff batter. It was 2-2, two to two, played nine innings, and Stewart hit a home run in the top of the ninth. We won 3-2, to two, and... Griffith struck out 15 that night against Henderson. Man. And it, the, the, another funny story about that, underneath all their jerseys, they had the 1994 regional champ shirts on already oh, that they were going to wow. take off. But we didn't, they didn't take their shirts off. <laughs> That's great. So, but, and, and they had the tie and run. Maybe it was, maybe it was even the seventh. I, I don't remember. They had the, the tie and run on third base. And we did the hidden ball trick and got him out at third base. Really? Mm-hmm. Michael Johnson yeah. was playing third. And uh, I can't remember Stringer or Griffins was pitching at the time. I was trying to think that today. And, of course, he didn't. He never got on the mound. Johnson was just standing over there by the base. Kid stepped off, tagged him, showed him the ball, called him out. So, so you beat St. Mary's, and then who would you get next? We played Owensboro Apollo, who, who had Brad Wilkerson, who played many right. years in the, in the, in the National right. League. And they just beat us that night. And Stewart was just a sophomore. I don't think they could have beat him as a senior, yeah. but he was just a sophomore. Right. Um, yeah. And that's that's kind of how our season ended. But it was a it was yeah. a good run. We finished in the final, top eight. That's awesome. A school that size, you know, like you talked about, they all everybody played basketball. Just mm-hmm. probably almost all your players mm-hmm. played basketball. And you know, at the small schools, they don't have a football school. Team. No, Livingston no. does not have a nor football soccer. Team. Yeah, and and so baseball and basketball is it. And mm-hmm. so. So I guess kind of an interesting tidbit because, you know, Berlin, Bauer, when we talked to Berlin, he talked about how basketball meant so much to the people of Carlisle County, right. which is a very similar exactly. county. So did you see, I guess you saw that as you were there. We had unbelievable support for the baseball. I mean, even, even, uh, adults that did not have kids playing would come to the baseball games. I mean, they, you know, they, they've had a lot of good players on the time, Gary Blaine being one of them. Mm-hmm. You know that, so they just supported their kids, and it was it was just a, a wonderful experience over there with them. And and I I was so proud, and I 
prove to everyone that even an idiot could coach good talent and not mess it up. So then, now, talk about your transition from uh, Livingston to to Marsh. Talk talk about how that went down. With Livingston, I, I loved it over there, but it was a long way and a, a very tough decision. Uh, I still have friends over there. I still talk to some of them, and it's – I see them out some, and, and it makes me feel good when when they do run into you and, and talk with you. And those are the those are the things you can't, you don't get in the classroom. That that is something. And and I have friends that I had in the classroom and that, that I enjoy a lot. But without coaching, without being at that, it's it's just a different kind of relationship that you have with your players. When, now, Billy, when you first started coaching, did you ever dream you would have a major leaguer? No, no. I, we all we all dream about that, and but it was he was special. He was he was good when he was a freshman, and and on top of that, he advanced a grade, so he was actually a year younger than the rest of his peers. Wow. He should have been when he was a freshman. He should have been in eighth grade with his age wise. What what was it about him uh, as a coach? What was it that you recognized? Because you know, I know off off air we talked about. You know, you, you had a feeling early on that he was the real deal. W- what about him gave you that feeling? Can you put it in words? Never got rattled. Was Had emotion and fire, but never showed it inappropriately. And he had a world of talent. A cool customer. Uh, yeah. I mean, if he wanted to throw the ball three inches outside, he threw it three inches outside. Hmm. You know, that, and that was just the God's gift that, that he was blessed with and was able to use. Also... I believe he would have pitched longer. Another fact that Jeff Conine hit him in the shoulder with a line drive. I remember that. When that, and, and he changed the delivery point and it kind of messed him up a little bit so he didn't have mm-hmm. quite the career he wanted, but, but he was, you know, pitching on a major league mound mm-hmm. when that happened. When you have a great player, you know, that can be a blessing or a curse. So you've talked about what a great kid he was. Talk about how he was as a leader. Did he did he do anything in particular, or did he did he blend in, or how how what was his role with the team? Because probably the players also knew he was the man. Oh, they called it was funny. Even as a freshman and sophomore, his nickname was Golden Child, and that's what some of the older ones. And it wasn't disparaging that that why they they called him that. It was because they knew he was he was the best player on the team. You know, and and like I said, he as a sophomore he hit two or three home runs in the regional tournament. Yeah, uh, two of which were game winners. You know, beat Christian County in the in the middle game. He wasn't a big rah-rah vocal guy, but he worked hard every day. He was a great teammate. He made everybody better around him because he didn't let them down. We had enough personalities older that were the leaders, so maybe he didn't have to be. A wonderful experience getting to coach somebody like that and know that I didn't have anything to do with him being a major league player, but I did have the fortune to coach one. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, you know, Billy, one thing I want to kind of talk to you about is – one one thing that I've noticed with most of the people that we've interviewed, most of them were ball players. Most of them had you know a coach or several coaches that took them through and kind of were mentors to them and showed them. I'm interested in the fact that you didn't play high school ball. So so who were the people that you looked up to, or maybe that kind of gave you the direction and taught you how to be a coach, or, or what? Who did you use as a role model or example? I loved baseball, and used to on uh, Saturday they would have major league instruction, 
even in high in when I was in high school and like on Sunday and I, I remember watching those and they would give little little hints and tidbits and to be honest with you no one led me that way coaching wise I believe it was just something that, that I picked up and learned and you know and 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 watched that. I remember watching Ozzy Smith and talk about the hands always moving forward and stuff I'd picked up and watched and learned and and try to you know learn the game when to bunt when not to bunt so as as you know, I've heard John Calipari talk about uh, he he kind of talks about the media and and calls them uh, basketball Betty's. So, but in essence, you were kind of self taught when you were telling that story right there. I thought about Johnny Bench and the baseball bunch. Mm-hmm. I used to watch on television, right. and he would have he would have a tip for the day for baseball, and he would give a certain type of instruction. So that's kind of the things that's, you picked up I, on. I watched it, like I said, I loved it, and I played as long as I could in. The summer leagues and little league and, and pony league and all of that, but that's that's basically where it came from. So, so you were kind of the odd coach that wasn't necessarily a successful player on up into high school and college, but really wanted it and, and worked at it and taught yourself. That's that's an awesome. That's something you don't see a lot. It, it it's kind of a strange thing. I had a, I will say, my, my uncle Benny Bohan, who I worked for when when I first uh, heard about the legend, he really helped me. Showed me what hard work could could get you and, and do and and being mediocre, you know, it's, it's your average for a reason, you know, average is average. It's, it's harder to be good. So and that's what I try to try to do and and really try to live my life like that now is, you know, I don't do everything right and I'm not the best it's ever been, but but I try to do what's right and I try to work hard and and get get the most out of my ability and that's that's kind of what I'm trying to do now as a teacher and administrator. You know what you just said to me is a big golden nugget. When we talk to a lot of these coaches, we we talk about them using sports to teach their kids about work, whereas mm-hmm. you kind of went at it from the opposite. Mm-hmm. You learned about work and applied it to sports. So that's right. that is a great. It's right. a that's a, it's it's a great two way. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. But it's awesome. It's mm-hmm. really you know I haven't ever heard it that way. But man, that that's a really awesome way to look mm-hmm. at it. So we we talked about your coaching career. I'll ask you a quick question, and, and we ask a lot of people these. What was the biggest surprise to you when you became the head coach? What was the thing that kind of shocked you or you weren't maybe weren't ready for or or that surprised you the most about being a coach? Uh they play them 300 ball games in the summer. How many Tom and John surgeries are we having in high school? That's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, just overuse. Just overuse and and that to me was was the biggest change is how they changed. I didn't I didn't evolve with them those eight or nine years I was gone, and it was it was a tough go for me mm-hmm. there for a while. Still love the kids. I, I still worked very hard. Matter of fact, two of those kids are playing professional baseball right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cody Forsythe and Andrew Edwards. Andrew's with the Royals and and Cody's with the Phillies. Uh, Cody was an All Star in in A ball. And they were a couple of the exceptions, but it, it was just a different time and I didn't, I didn't evolve with them. And, and so it was, it was, it was tough on me. Mm-hmm. That, that was, that was the biggest shock to me coming back to it. And you know, to go with that, Chris kind of talked about, he called, uh, coaching a young man's game. Do you think that had maybe the fact that you had gotten a little older and you're not old by any means, but maybe those years out of it, it kind of, things kind of changed and maybe, yeah. maybe I wasn't willing to fight the fight is hard. Yeah. And, and that, and that could be. And I thought about that too. No, by golly, we're not going to, we're going to do it this way. And, yeah. and maybe I'd give up on it a little bit too early. And that's possible. Yeah. So 
you know, you experienced early success as a, as a coach and you probably at times had to pinch yourself and think, man, how, how was I blessed with this really good team and and so forth? You know, we talk about how people measure success. How do you measure success with your ball team or with your kids? And maybe it's not even in terms of wins and losses, but, but what are the things at the end of the day you say, you know what? That was a success in coaching. How would you measure that? I, I think there's a couple things. I, you know, wins and losses take care of themselves. I, I still had a pretty good record overall. We, I, I won a lot of ball games, a lot, beat a lot of good teams. And if our kids behave in the classroom, if they're respectful on the field, and if they fight hard, that, that is a measure of success. And we, and we fought hard last year. We were, things didn't work out very well. And we got beat the first round of the district tournament. Didn't even make the regional tournament, but, but we fought and we fought and we fought. You know, we, we did everything we could. It was, but we never gave up. And, and I think that's a trait that we have to have. And that was a successful year. We behaved. We, we acted right in the classroom and, and hopefully they learned something from me that they can take into life. So going back as, as a senior coach now and, and administrator, let's say there was somebody coming out of college and man, they're, they're ready to be a coach. What would be some pearls of wisdom that you would give them before they walked into that first job? I would, I would tell them have realistic expectations. Don't sell anybody short. Don't accept mediocrity. And if you do that, we have to remember what's mediocre to one is, is great for another. So we just, we know that we don't always have the five star athletes and, and we get out what we can out of them. If we've done that, that, that you've done your job. So, so now you've stepped into the role, you know, your assistant principal at Marsh High School right now. What would you say, what would you say that you learned as a baseball coach that you take with you now that helps you in your job now? Is there anything that you can think of? I, yes, I do. I, I think, I think patience at times. Knowing that sometimes you just, you listen, you know, it's okay to listen sometimes, just, just listen to them out and it has nothing to do with sports. It could be no telling what's going on at home. Maybe daddy got arrested last night or maybe, maybe the water and heat got turned off and they couldn't take a shower and they didn't have anything to eat and they're ticked off. And that's why they were upset in the classroom and made a scene. If that's the case, they have the right to be mad. I'd be mad too. You know, being able to deal with different situations. You know, you deal with different situations in, in coaching all the time. You're thinking ahead. Well, what if, if this happens? What am I going to do here? Um, if this guy gets on, am I going to pinch run? If we get back to this spot, I'm going to hit. If we're going to be on base, if not, this one's going to hit. So, I mean, they're, you know, just being able to think and, and think ahead and, and plan and, and see a big picture. Yeah. You know, what you said there is really good. You have to, you have to think on your feet. Things are going to change, and you got to be adaptable, and ready to change, make a change if it's needed by whatever happens. That's a that's a really great point. Talking about your career, and what would you say is the thing you enjoyed the most about coaching? I enjoyed watching young boys grow into young men. They were they've blossomed. Most of them have, have turned out pretty good. Uh, you know, I see them. They're everything from school teachers to iron workers, professionals. To business owners, and I enjoy that aspect of it. I, we all want to think as coaches, as you said, ego wise. Every, every everybody and every coach has an ego, and we want to do good. We have we think we have at least a small part in that. You know, maybe something I said and some comment I made, some, how I treated a certain situation that may have contributed at least to a small part of of at least at least some of them uh, being who they are. 
Yeah. And, and I think I think that's one thing that, that I do enjoy the most. You know, that's a common thread that we hear within the coaching ranks is, yeah, I love the wins and losses, but at the end of the day, you know, you forget. That kind of washes itself away. You, you remember in general the wins and losses, but you, you do. When you see those guys, you're really proud of what they've become, and, and you hope that your leadership – Helped them a little bit. Just a little bit, right. Let's talk real quick about, you You were talking about, uh, off the air, we were talking about some of your favorite games. Talk to us about, you had said there was a game my brother was in that was memorable to you. Tell us about that. Uh, My first year at at Livingston Central, we came over to play Reedland. It looked like rain. It was real gloomy and overcast. We started, we tried, you know, Coach Hicks and I said, hey, let's get this thing. As soon as umpires get here, let's just get it going. So we got everybody ready. We started as soon as we got here. And it was just up, down, up, down, three up, three down, three up, three down. Benji Stringer was pitching that game, faced one batter over the minimum, which was a home run by Brandon Myhan. Oh, I, I can see his head swelling now. And the other part of that, he allowed, I think he allowed one more hit and walked one, but he picked them both off first base. Uh, that made uh, Coach Hicks' head almost explode. That was That was kind of funny, too. <laughs> The game was played an hour and five minutes, and we had a runner thrown out at the plate. We had Seven inning game. An hour and five minutes. Wow. And we had, we only had two or three hits. Uh, we had, we had a single and then a double in the right field gap, and they threw us, threw us out at the plate on a bang, bang play. That, it, it didn't end that way, but that's probably about the fourth or fifth inning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the hardest ball hit was one Brandon hit foul into the woods. It sounded like it was knocking the trees down. So that was, one of the most enjoyable games, certainly the most, one of the most enjoyable losses that I ever, ever did because it was a quick game and it was fun and we played, both teams played good defense and executed and it was just, it was just something pretty good to say. And I do know which my hand is the best hitter too, by the way. Okay. Let's quantify this, Billy. You realize this is the legend podcast. I know you're going to say that, are you going to, I'm assuming by the way you said that you're going to say that Brandon was the best hitter? Uh, yes. I would counter that Brandon was a really good hitter, a better power hitter than I was. However, for average, I think I've, I get him there. Would yeah. you? Would you at least go meet me halfway on that? I, I will say maybe because he was a pretty good hitter too. <laughs> he, he was. He yeah. was. He swung from the hills, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I like to take a lot of credit for him being the hitter he was because as a kid, you know, we would put him up against. I would put him up against a brick wall and throw a tennis ball at him full speed. And I was five years older than he was, and he would take his hacks. And, you know, he didn't take single hacks when we were there. He was going for the – he was wanting to hit it down the hill across the road. Did he have to go get it, or if he hit it, did you have to go get it? If if he hit it far, I had to go get it. If if I struck him out, then it was my turn to bat. He would throw to me, and then he would have to chase mine. So, Mm. yeah, and truly, you know, I used to joke. I think we've talked about this on another podcast, but – one of the reasons he hit left-handed pitching so good is he saw me his whole life in the mm-hmm. front yard. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly, and we we would spend hours doing that. So, so that's an awesome story. Billy Thorpe joining us here on DaxMyHand.com, the Legend Podcast. Billy, so we were talking afterwards, and you were talking about your thoughts about you know maybe some of the local colleges here and and some of the local talent. Tell us, give us kind of some of your thoughts about that. I would. I know it's tough, and I know every year we don't have. You know, in Region 1, we don't have 10 kids that can play Division 1 baseball. It'd be really good and really refreshing if, if some of our local colleges could, could get more of our local talent. I know that past couple of years, um, Cody Forsythe, Andrew Edwards, both playing professionally. No nibbles. Wasn't, wasn't recruited locally. 
I can't, you know, one was all conference at SIU and the other one, uh, was all conference at Western for one year. He played at, uh, Ren Lake for two, you know, and as a, as a Murray alumnus, that, that is a, a it's a big disappointment of mine too. And I, I think back to the Coach Reagan days, Coach Reagan, for the majority of his career, recruited, or really all of his career, recruited the local kids. You know, there were always, you know, uh, just about every class he would get the best kid or two from Western Kentucky. And, right. And so, you know, we've got, they've got a new coach at Murray State. I haven't met him yet. Right. Uh, so I hopefully he'll him. make that, hopefully he'll make that a, a part of his recruiting efforts. I hope he does. Right. I know, um, of course, McCracken was the best team. Um, I think they got one kid, but I know they got another one, uh, that went to Western. Yeah. You know, I, I would like seeing both of them go there and, um, you know, Andy Bill, they, I don't think they recruited him and he wound up at Bandy and played some professional baseball also. Triple, triple A, I believe, yes. didn't he? Yeah. yeah. SEC, when he SEC pitcher of the year? I believe so. Yeah. So, so we're, we're throwing a shout out. Murray State, give us some region one love in baseball. I mean, seriously. And, and there's, there's some talent out there that can play. Yeah. And, and you know, we all love Murray State. I mean, you know, I graduated from there. It's the local school. We pull for them in basketball. We pull for them in the sports. But, but you know, you as well as I know that Western Kentucky is a hotbed for baseball, especially with the size of this region. You know, there, there's players there that can help Murray. And I, I'm like you. I'd rather see them at Murray than Western. Certainly. And, and even though they didn't win the state championship, McCracken County was rated number one in the state, mm-hmm. 30 Eight and two, something right. like that. Right. Didn't lose to a Kentucky team until uh, in the state tournament, and and really, what is McCracken County? They're the three baseball schools: Lone Oak, Reedland, and Heath, that have always been traditional right. powers, and they're just together now. So, right. so yeah, I, I agree that they should. I hope, hopefully, and hopefully, this new coach will do that. Right. I, I, I say I haven't met him, but uh, well, Billy, is there anything else we haven't hit that you'd like to talk about? Nothing on that level. I'd just like to thank both of you guys for letting me sit in here. I had a wonderful time and. Oh, hey, I do, I do have something else here. You've got a daughter who's an excellent softball player, plays the travel circuit. You ever been tempted to coach her? No. <laughs> I tell you what I did though. This is another thing. I had a, I coached Lyon County's girls softball team last year. We had a wonderful time. I, I was I was the principal at Lyon County Elementary, and they didn't have a coach, so I coached. I, I'll be honest with you, I coached it just like just like baseball. We just we just coached like baseball, and and went out and practiced hard, and 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 they they were like sponges. They really accepted it, and had a good pitcher and catcher. That all that always makes you makes you a lot better. But it was it was fun there. So and and I really like that sport too. Mm-hmm. It's it's a blast, and and it's it's fast paced and. Kind of compare and contrast the differences in coaching boys and girls, or are there many? I try I try not to coach them differently, um, but but there are differences. I, girls are more literal, you know. They will do, you know. I, and I coached at Livingston uh, varsity girls basketball for a year, and they worked hard, and we got better, and we had fun. We won won some games there too. But if the play says that we're supposed to go to the wing, it doesn't matter if three opponents were in the wing; it's going to go there. You know, until you, until they figure that out. And once they do, they, it's not so bad, but yeah. that's, that's the typical way they do that. And you make boys mad a lot easier. I never, you know, I never was one to make the girls cry or anything. I mean, I, I didn't do that, but boys would get mad at you, but they would, the tough ones would say, by gosh, I'll show you. 
mm-hmm. you know, and not not verbally do it, but then put the nose to the grindstone and and prove you wrong. Yeah. And, and so it, it's it's different, but I I enjoyed both. I really do. Yeah, Eli Latham, you know, his first coaching job was the girls at North Marshall, and then he, he switched over to the boys. And and I mean. If I could change the voice that you just said that in, that is exactly what he said about the girls taking everything so literal. Mm-hmm. They, you tell them to do something, they do it to a T, and not as much uh, individuality, right. it seems like. Right. So, Well, Billy, you know, we've really enjoyed having you, and um, it's been a blast. You know, I see you most Sundays at church, and so uh, we can see you quite a bit, and I and, uh, really enjoyed it. Thank you all very much. Had a wonderful time. <laughs>